This is Hannah Rose and welcome to the Inspire Within podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to one of the first episodes of Inspire Within. My name is Hannah Rose, and I will be your podcast host. I am bringing you an amazing new guest today. Her name is Mia Lardier. She is the Emerging Platforms Director at Cosmopolitan Magazine. She has a super impressive background and resume with her growing career in social media, and she is now amazing female leader at the largest young woman's media brand in the world. Mia, would love for you to give a little bit more context on yourself. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I've, I've been at Hearst for five years, um, in, all at Cosmopolitan, um, and my career has grown um, and my roles and responsibilities have changed a lot through the years. But um, Cosmopolitan was really my first, quote unquote, big girl job. Um, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, that's great. And so take us back a little bit. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What did you study? would love a little bit of context around that. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Manor Arlington, New Jersey, um, a very small town in Northeast New Jersey. It's exit 30 off of Route 80 for any um, <laughs> New Jerseyans. Yeah, and I went to school there. Um, I went to Sarah Lawrence College from 2010 to 2014 and studied abroad for a little bit at the end of my career there. And I, I studied screenwriting and film. I thought that I wanted to go into screenwriting for television. Um, I grew up loving um, Will and Grace and Saturday Night Live um, and a lot of other sitcoms that were on at the time. And I saw my career heading in that direction. I just loved comedy writing. I still do. It takes a lot of um, connections and a lot of networking that I didn't have in my network at the time. I had interned at the Martha Stewart show Went not to wear um, a program called the Jeremy Kyle Show, which is like the British Maury. It was kind of a mess. So after I graduated college, I moved home to New Jersey back with my parents for about a year and a half. I'm a person who never doesn't have a job. So um, I took a rest of a waitress server position at a local restaurant and worked there for about a year and a half. And in the meantime, I started developing a blog, a personal blog that I had for myself. And it was kind of just like essay writing and lifestyle writing um, and just kind of writing whatever about whatever inspired me or whatever I felt like writing about that day. Through that portfolio, I was able to get some work. Um, I worked for a celebrity news publication called Celeb Buzz for about, um, I think about two years. It started off as a part-time thing that I would do while I was working at the the bakery and pizza shop. And it was just, you know, a way for me to get more clips and get more writing and earn more opportunities. And I was also writing for at what was known at the time, Man Repeller, um, now Repeller, now also defunct. And I had a lot of, I was given a lot of latitude there to experiment with different things, like develop a podcast, do interview writing and try different like listicle style writing, which was new to the time at the time, given, you know, the BuzzFeed era. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, that's so awesome. Thanks for talking us through that. And yeah. were there any specific experiences like interviewing certain celebrities or writing about certain things that really stood out to you in that first full-time job? Yeah, I think I learned a lot about how to, um, you know, communicate with people and um, how to give a really tight interview. You rarely get more than, you know, 15 minutes with a, a celebrity at a time. So you have to really have a narrow focus on what you're going to approach in the interview. You have to, you know, and especially if like, you know, when I was developing the podcast, you would listen back to yourself all the time and you could tell, you know, what things that you could 
tidy up, um, what kind of things you repeat. Um, and that mm-hmm. was really interesting to me as someone, um, you know, when I was growing up, I was a very quiet kid. Um, I, you know, I, I talked to people and I had a lot of, I had friends, but, um, you know, it's, it was different for me to, you know, open up to people and like, you know, get them talking. Um, it was the skill that I needed to learn. So it was just a really, um, valuable experience in that way. And yeah, it was super eye-opening and an experience I didn't think was going to be one of my favorite interviews, but that for me was kind of, you know, the icing on top and inspired a lot of what I do now. Yeah, no, that's so cool. And you mentioned that you weren't always, you know, the most confident, outgoing person. What kind of advice would you give to people that are starting off in their career that are really nervous to kind of put themselves out there, make those connections and network with other people? Yeah, I think it's really hard, especially when you're starting out. Um, There's a lot of imposter syndrome that you have to combat within yourself, no matter how confident you are, how how many things you've done. Um, when you're in, especially like, you know, Cosmopolitan is such a big brand name and it's you know not the one that I would expect that I would have landed on in my life. Um, and when you first start there, it feels like you are, um, you might not feel like you're, you're worthy of being there. And I think that the biggest thing to remember is that you, one, they chose you for a reason. If it's a job, whether it's a school, whether it's, you know, any kind of group or anything like that, they chose you to be there for a reason, um, whether it's your skills or the way you presented yourself or a combination of the two, you deserve to be there and it's not a mistake. And I think that it it, it took me a while to, you know, especially as a, a woman in, in the workplace, even though I work with all women, um, it can be very intimidating to speak up or speak your mind or, or tell someone that they're wrong. And it's, it's little baby steps. Um, I'm not, I'm not a confrontational person. Uh, I went to through therapy for a little bit. And one of the things that I worked on was confrontation um, in personal life and also in, in my business life. But like, you know, it's, it's something that you can do is just, you know, it's like little baby steps, right? Like setting what confrontation is or um, addressing someone in a way that feels confrontational is setting boundaries, which is protecting yourself. Um, And so little things that you can do is like, you know, if a waiter asks you if you want a box to take home your food and you really don't, there's no reason for you to say yes. But if you're people pleaser, like I am recovering people pleaser, um, (laughs) a lot of people will say, oh yeah, I'll take the box and you really don't need it. And you don't want the leftovers, but little exercises say, no, I don't need that. Thank you. And just those little things in your daily life, even if it's with somebody you don't know or confrontation that really doesn't matter at the end of the day, they'll all add up. So um, I think that, you know, just practicing, you know, taking notes on those things is really helpful, especially when you're first starting out. Um, And I think it's always just like comes down to respect at the end of the day. Um, If I hire someone, I, I expect that they will give me the same respect that I give to them. And that can show up in a number of ways, but at the end of the day, it's being, it's being respectful too. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's such good advice. And I think setting boundaries in a workplace, especially because we've been in COVID for so long too, it's really hard when you're back in an in-person environment. So going to therapy and being able to work on those things is so awesome. And hearing somebody like you that is, you know, way ahead in their career and doing so great. And you're still working on those things too, is really inspiring to, I'm sure a lot of people listening here as well. Would love for you to kind of talk me through the growth within being at Cosmos specifically. So I know you first started out working on Snapchat and then grew into this much larger role. So if you can kind of talk us through that growth, that would be really great. 
I, so I started out working for Snapchat. That's correct. Um, I was hired as the assistant editor for Snapchat Discover for Cosmopolitan. Um, and at the time, Snapchat Discover was like kind of the big new tech, kind of what TikTok is today. So it was something really new and shiny that the company prioritized. And so I think that what, you know, when I joined, I was really excited. And I also had a lot of, um, you know, I was afraid that I wasn't going to do well. Um, and so I was hired by a really great boss um, who believed in me and thought, you know, I, that I delivered a really great edit test. And a lot of that at the time, the assistant editor position was basically learning how to build a content calendar that was diverse and um, engaging um, and learning how to tell a story through on tech, which um, again, at the time was a super new concept for a lot of people. It was a lot of short form stuff, you know, catering to shorter attention spans and but still keeping a brand voice. So I, I learned a lot about that kind of storytelling as well as um, reporting analytics which is something that I had never done before. And I, I hated working with numbers. Uh, and a lot of people do when they, you know, editorial, you don't sign up for numbers stuff. But when I started working on it, I learned that numbers can tell a story and that they can basically inform you and tell you what's working and what isn't working. And that ended up being a, a really big cornerstone of what I do now. So um, I was, I think, in that position for about a year and a half or two years. And then I became the associate editor, which where I had a little bit more um, uh, responsibility working with the de designers on the channel, a little bit more the motion graphics designers who design the snaps for our, our Discover platform, which is basically for anybody who doesn't know Snapchat Discover. It's basically like a little magazine that people put out on, on Snapchat. And it's basically telling a story across a few different snaps. And they go, they usually go out daily. Ours is daily. Some other brands do like five days a week. It really depends on what it is now since the landscape has changed a lot. But yeah, after the associate editor role, I was up for the editor role when my, my boss left at the time. And I actually... Um, it was me and another woman who was at the at the company for a long time and who is also really successful um, and continues to be successful. And I worked really hard and putting you know out my my resume for that, and I didn't get it. And it was really um, it was kind of devastating um, since I had been working on the platform and this other person hadn't. No matter what, she you know she obviously was really qualified for it, and she was a great boss and she brought a lot to the platform when she joined the platform. When we're talking about things like, you know, not feeling adequate enough or feeling um, confident in what you do like that, that for me, I could have at the time just said, you know, forget this, I'm, I'm out. Um, but for me, it was kind of a room for me to find ways to grow and to learn, I guess, different perspective from someone who joined the team. Um, and so that person ended up leaving another year later or so. So um, I became the editor of the, the platform, um, which was what I wanted at the time. Um, and stepping into a leadership role like that, where I had direct reports and people depended on me, um, relied on me to, um, to, you know, set up their calendars for the day and, you know, head us in the right direction for having a successful platform. It was a lot of pressure at first. Um, and I think that a lot of people, when they enter those roles, that that's when the imposter syndrome starts to, um, you know, be at its largest. So um, I, when since I joined Cosmopolitan, and even before that, I was someone who would always like come in early and get started on my work really early and, um, you know, get ahead and then stay late. And even like 
when I was at the very beginning of my career, I would take stuff home with me and try to like understand um, things that I did in, um, in my day to day, just so I could come back on Monday and be a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of like mindset of really, um, you know, understanding what you do to as a professional and like being teaching yourself that um, it wasn't valuable, even though I did like, you know, I, my morning wasn't spent, you know, watching TV, I could have, you know, done that instead. Um, but it helped me grow and, and excel a lot faster. Um, and I think that at the time, um, Jess Powell's, who is now the editor in chief, she joined Cosmopolitan, um, and then shortly after became the editor in chief of the magazine. And she, I think she started as digital director and then became editor in chief of print and digital shortly after. Um, and so we went through the trenches together a little bit at the beginning. Um, and she has been my boss ever since. And then, um, yeah, I think that we, we had bonded and, and she also, you know, saw how hard I worked. She respected what I did. Um, and she, when I, I, I started to feel like I, a few, like a year or so later that my, my, I had grown out of my role a little bit. Um, and I was doing other things that, um, didn't really encompass my title. And it was a conversation I had, a series of conversations I had with her where I felt like it was time for me to either evolve or change. Um, and there are points in your career where you, you feel that urge and it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people don't know what time, when, when is a good time to make a change in your career or when um, it's a chi- time to make a change or have a, a conversation with your boss about your role. And I think that's, it's just like, it'll come naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, Jess, again, she has been the greatest boss to me personally. She um, always advocates for me. And so I came to her with a proposal of, um, how I saw my career trajectory going um, and what I wanted next for my career. I was very explicit with it. I even put like a little one sheet together um, and walked her through the plan. And she kind of said, okay, she said, I, I really like this. And then she's like, I, I can absolutely see this happening. Um, you know, let me talk to it with my boss um, and uh, we might be able to figure something out. And it didn't happen overnight. What I wanted was to be able to work on Snapchat, but also be able to run editorial um strategy for tiktok and um tiktok live and also work on special projects so it was kind of expanding my role by a lot um and it took a little bit of convincing a lot of convincing but just ultimately was able to give me this position that i have now which is emerging platforms director mm-hmm. um so i get to oversee all of that and also um you know, get to still work on a lot of really cool projects that come up day to day again it really comes down to what i've learned when it, especially from this case study, um, is that really your boss and the person, people who advocate for you matter so much and having that mutual respect is, is super important, you know, leaves open a little bit of room for collaboration because at the end of the day, it's really hard to get exactly what you want, but, um, if you can negotiate and get really close, I think that's a win. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a few, it's been a long, long, but short five years here at Cosmopolitan, um, (laughs) And a lot has changed, but it also goes with the nature of what I work with. When I work with platforms and tech, those things change really quickly. So um, it's also just about adapting to those too. Yeah, that's so great. Thank you so much for talking us through that. And so you've been in your current role for, it looks like around almost two years now. How have, you know, the challenges been within this particular role and what has been the biggest change into this role from your previous role? 
Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it, it was a lot of um, learning how to delegate at first. Um, I think that I am a person who likes to try and do everything. Um, and that's often to my own fault. Um because it's just like you only have a certain amount of hours in the day and you only have two hands. So when you're working on two big platforms and you're working on other things as well, um, it takes a lot of delegating to and be able to trust your team with, to be able to execute what they they you need them to do. Um, and that's something I still need to work on. It's, you know, I, it's really, especially really hard in this, um, like, you know, digital age when we're all working from home after COVID, it's hard to be able to, used to be able to turn around and say, Hey, let's just talk this out for five minutes, um, and, and get this together. Now it's like, you know, you're on Slack and you have all your stuff in front of you and you could say, Oh, well, I can, I can just do it. It's right here. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's something I still have to work on. So I think that that was the biggest thing is delegating and also just, learning how to prioritize um, your own workload. When you're your own boss, um, Jess is still my boss, but you know we don't communicate super often. I'm not reporting to her at the end of the day and saying, here's all the things I did. You know, you have to hold yourself accountable. You have to keep um, a really tight schedule and make sure that, especially when you're creating content, content creating can get really out of hand if you if you let it. You can work for hours on something, but you know if you have you know three things done at the end of the day, you can't spend all day working on number one. So it's, you know, building that calendar, like I have my entire inbox is color coded with different, you know, I have one thing for emails about TikTok, one thing about emails for Snapchat, one for like things about, you know, special projects. I have everything really tidy and I have like a notion that is updated every single day and I make sure that everything's done. So it's just like the very basic uh, scheduling things. But when it comes to like other things that I've learned, I think that, um, you know, like, as I mentioned, tech is always evolving. So you have to be really, really nimble about it. And you have to be um, on top of trends. You have to be on top of new products within an app. And it's, it's you know, that's a big part of you. Like being on TikTok is a part of my job. And that that sounds really, really sad and unfortunate <laughs> for a lot of people. I know they wouldn't have to all day. But so that's a, a big part of it. But it's also like when you have a bigger role, you also have a lot more eyes on you. Um, and so, you know, when I started working on TikTok when, before a lot of brands were on there, I, w- I would do some things and they wouldn't work. And I still do things and they don't work. And I think that, you know, not every post that you're going to make is going to go super viral. Um, some of them might even flop. A lot of them will flop and that's okay. And I think that being able to, it was funny, I was watching an interview with Tina Fey last night and she was talking about when she made a really huge mistake in her career and she mm-hmm. equated to kind of bouncing back. It's like being an athlete. She's like, you know, the joke really didn't work and it was offensive and she apologized for it. And she, um, you know, she's like, you have to be an athlete about it and be nimble and get back on your feet and say, okay, let's give it a try again. Cause if you don't, then you're just going to be stuck. And yeah. so I, I don't think I've done anything offensive, but um <laughs> comes with any mistake right like if you um you get punched down a little bit you you just get back up and you try again tomorrow or within an hour so um those I think like being able to have the confidence and say we didn't get this one we're going to get the next one is it's it's a hard lesson but it's a good one um Mm -hmm. because as soon as you build that resilience that that's a really big skill to have yeah definitely and do you do most of the content creating or do you have a team under you that you're managing for that yeah, so Snapchat Discover, I have a team of two designers, um, and they work on the motion graphics for our daily edition. So they're designing the entire edition and, and animating it. 
whereas I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, other teams may only have five, we have seven. So they're creating a lot of content in a day, um, mm -hmm. they're, but they're design. I have a production manager who works on um, making sure all the articles are imported into Snapchat and they, um, she just like make sure all the copy is really tight, make sure everything looks good, that all the images are there, that um, everything's working and that we schedule everything on time. She, without Venezia, who's my production manager, like our, our channel would fall apart. Um, <laughs> so I've been with her for the entire five years um, and she is just, just so great. And then uh, I have an assistant part. Right now I have a part-time assistant editor who works with me on creating articles and writing articles for Snapchat Discover that fit that audience a little bit better where we have a, an age, mm -hmm. you know, our, our, our reader likes, you know, Gen Z, they love TikTok influencers. They love, you know, those kinds of different content buckets that don't, we don't necessarily always cover on the site. So, um, our assistant editor writes those, those, um, little articles for me and helps us, you know, have more traffic than we would without her. Um, and then on TikTok, it's mostly just me. I create and um, schedule and produce a lot of all of our content and we post about five days a week and so we also do a lot of TikTok lives which we partner with TikTok to not really produce but I guess um, you know facilitate going live and they promote them and help get more eyes on the content that we're creating um, and I have historically hosted a lot of them um, a lot of those conversations have been about mental health and about um wellness and about um all, an array of topics being able to produce those conversations especially the ones about mental health um, and neurodiversity are super important so um those are a highlight of the job for sure yeah that's so great and what do you think is one of the biggest challenges in converting your audience to kind of pay more attention to tiktok these days I think it's it's really natural, you know. I think that you you find your audience is going to come to where go wherever they want to go. Um, and this day and age, you know, there's so many choices that you can make in a day on where you put your attention. You can put it on the computer, your phone, your TV. And so, you know, we just try and find the audience that's already there and cater to what they're seeing on TikTok. Like we're not trying to overproduce any content and make it look like a motion picture. Like it's kind of got to look like garbagey a little bit and like a little bit like more like you shot it on your iPhone. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, making the content look super native, um, using the tools that that TikTok provides like closed captions and, and um, on-screen graphics, things like that. And also, you know, again, listening to the trends and seeing what people like um, and what they want to see. Um, and also just like, you know, being really true to our brand and what it is today, um, you know, whether it's being sex positive, whether it's being, you know, um, body image positive, being, um, you know, anything that our brand identifies as, um, you know, that's how we have to be and even be even more progressive if we want to be there, you know, speaking out about things like, you know, gun violence, speaking out against um, racial inequality, things like that, that are super topical. Um, but, you know, if we get to have this platform and, and be a huge brand, I think that it's always important to, to be able to speak out on those things if you're able to. Yeah, super important. And do you think that, you know, Cosmos obviously print and digital right now. And I know a lot of the times right now in terms of Hearst and a lot of other publications, magazine companies are going to more of the digital route. Do you think that everything is going to be digital in the next few years? Do you think that print is dead? What is your take on all of that? 
You know, I think that we are definitely shifting towards a more digital world. We have been in, you know, the past several years. I think that COVID really accelerated that. You know, if you people realize that they could get what they need from their TVs or from apps or whatever they need, you know, that eliminated a lot of need for other things. Um, but I, you know, I think that there are still places that, you know, I think everybody kind of loves magazines a little bit. Like I, I think a nail salon isn't the same without a magazine. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so I'd really sad to see them all disappear. But I think that companies, especially big brands like ours will have to be, you know, super, um, you know, again, nimble is the word in the next few years about where they place those um, resources and where, you know, where the content should be. I think, you know, if is print dead, not yet. I mean, print is dying, but um, I think that it's maybe it's less about print is dying and more about digital storytelling and how you can make those things really shine and how you can make basically like make your pieces that you're writing for print or even just the website, make them um, you know, accessible on a different platform. Um, so it, it's kind of embracing that new age um, without forgetting the old, I think. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, there's something so nostalgic and comforting about reading a print magazine too. And I remember when I was little being able to sneak a Cosmo from my mom's room that there's just something so, you know, comforting about that too. So I hope, I personally hope it never dies, but it's always good to get a take on, you know, somebody like you that's within the magazine every day. Um, I know you're so busy and I know you have so much going on. I'm sure work life is crazy. You said there's not enough hours in the day. I totally agree with that. How do you balance it all? And what's your biggest piece of advice on balancing, you know, mental health, personal life and work life? Yeah, I think that that was a really big lesson for me is balance. Um, I am, for those who care about astrology, I'm a Scorpio Aries Aries. Um, <laughs> so people are terrified of those big three. When I never I tell them, they're like, please move far away from me. And I promise <laughs> It's not that deep, but um, it is because I, you know, I'm very, um, ever since I was a kid, like I, you know, would go whenever I went out things, I would go at them 100%, 110%. Um, and so when I first started working in the professional world, you know, like I mentioned, I would bring home work, I would, you know, work really hard on things. And um, it took me a while to understand that, like, there was a way to work smarter and not harder. Um, and again, it probably just came with experience too, and gaining a bigger skill base. But I think that one of the biggest lessons I learned was that I needed to learn how to have hobbies and learn how to be able to enjoy free time. Um, I also come from a family where my mom is an, you know, an entrepreneur, she's a businesswoman and, you know, growing up, seeing her work on weekends and still seeing her work on weekends, it kind of, you know, it was hard for me to understand that like rest is really good, especially when you are creative. I found that like a lot of times if I'm stuck on a problem or can't, you know, find a good solution for something, the best thing that I can do for myself is to walk away from the computer and take a take a walk. It's not going to like, you know, I'm not going to lose time on anything. Um, and that's when I usually am able to like find a little bit of clarity. But I think that, you know, being able to, you know, have a really good friend group that doesn't necessarily like relate to your, you know, your job. Um, it's great to have friends at work and great to have friends who do what you do just to have some perspective and like sharing, but, um, you know, having friends who work at different things, it's, um, you know, you get to hear a lot of different stories and kind of see that how your, your work relates in a bigger way. Um, 
but also, you know, like I took up running, I love exercise. I love, um, and so like, I make sure that like, you know, every day I can, that I, um, you know, I get to the gym and at least give myself an hour where I don't have to look at my phone and where I can just focus on myself. Um, and, and yeah, I think that those are, that's probably the biggest thing is getting a hobby is huge. Um, and also, you know, especially when you're in your twenties, like I was, I, I started Cosmo when I was in my twenties and, um, you know, before COVID hit, obviously, um, you know, I had a friend that I met in Cosmo that brought out the fun side in me and, and I would go out, I would have, you know, I would go to bars and stuff like that. And that wasn't a huge part of what, what I was like in college. Um, and so being able to, you know, enjoy your youth is, is really important too. So just have fun, you know, it, it helps you find perspective and new stories in the, in the long run. Great advice. Have fun and take on a hobby. I love that. Um, yeah. And then just to end us off too, where do you see yourself going in, within the next, you know, three to five years in your career? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Um, I really um, love, I think storytelling is such a gag word, but I think that storytelling is like what, you know, I, I'm really good at. And um, so I think that I definitely want to stay in the storytelling realm. Um it, I, I definitely also see myself creating content for a while. Um, I would love to, like I, like I mentioned before, I really enjoyed like hosting TikTok lives um, and, you know, hosting important conversations. Um, so finding a way to do that more often is definitely on my to-do list. Um, and I think that, you know, just like continuing to work, I think it's really easy when people work in, in content to be able to be sucked into um, you know, just kind of like your day-to-day work and like reporting on your beat and that's it. Um, but I think that, you know, keeping, if we learned anything in the past year and a half is that there are so many, um, stories and conversations that need to be happening around, you know, like I mentioned before, racial, racial inequity, um, around, you know, anti- LGBTQ violence. Um, like there's, there's so many things that are way more important than, you know, what Kim and P Davidson did today. Um, that's like kind of like beat the slug beat that I have been working on for the past five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like leaning more into the things that really, really matter, um, at the end of the day and that impact our lives, um, is something that I, I want to be able to embrace a little bit more in my day to day and be able to amplify, you know, that kind of storytelling. So, um, you know, being able to work, I think a little bit more closely to those stories is something that I want to do in the next five years. But I think also, you know, I work in a plat on two different platforms that could be gone any minute. Um, never forget when Donald Trump tried to, um, you know, cancel TikTok <laughs> over <laughs> span of 10 days. Um, so, but other than that, like, you know, people's attention mm-hmm. span are always moving around. So, um, for me again, nimble is the word and, um, whatever platforms come up in the next five years that, you know, can help kind of promote that storytelling. That's probably where you'll be able to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That This has been so helpful. Even for me, I'm so inspired by you and I hope that our audience is inspired as well. So I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, thanks again. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah, of course.